listening to the last dance podcast with myself elijah yeah so i'm about to get into it with madison so madison runs a night called opulence for queer people people of color and non-binary an academic an instrument player a dj an activist a published author is a complete polymath someone that you don't come across too often very unique character and i find that super inspiring I'm going to just let it run. So my name is Madison Moore, um, although I guess you could also call me Dr. Moore. <laughs> um, I am a cultural theorist and DJ um, based in London, though I shuttle between London and Berlin quite a lot. So, How long yeah. have you been in London for now? Uh, four years. And I'm a Londoner now. I've seen venues close. I've been here long enough. When I got here, plastic people was still a thing. Wow. If you can if you can think back that far. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I was there on the last night mm-hmm. of, of Plastic People. So I, I came to your night, uh, Opulence. Yeah. And it was my first one, first night I found myself into. Um, let's get us a background of how Opulence started and how the night started and your background as a DJ. Um, well, this, the beginning of Opulence is really, um, first of all, we think of ourselves as like a culture project and an art project so um we do the club nights the kind of techno or experimental club music kind of club nights but we have um a much broader vision for expanding out into like the publication world um within the next year so we'll like you know really curated um publication as well as the the club nights continuing but really like the party itself grew out of, I mean, just be frank, like I got sick of going to techno parties and seeing white guys DJing, <laughs> to be frank. So um, people don't know or remember or talk about the fact that like uh, black and brown people, you know, spearheaded and invented techno in Detroit and black and brown and queer people like um, shaped modern club culture. Mm-hmm. And these are not things that are um, celebrated or talked about anymore. Um, so. We, I think, wanted to, as a team, create a space that really worked to center black, brown, queer, trans bodies um, on the dance floor as well as in the DJ booth. Um, And I think we've been lucky that folks have, like, actually pulled me aside um, or pulled each of us aside. We're we're three on the team. um, Pulled us aside at each of the different parties to tell us how... um, nice the space is, how safe they feel, how, uh, how safe they feel, how inspiring it is for them to be there. Um, so I think it's, you know, and I had the idea a couple of years ago, I always tell the story that um, it was, um, it's only, it, it's, it's kind of like how um, 
kind of the stars align in all the right ways. So that's why it's happening now. But I actually had the idea like at least two years ago and um, have a folder on my computer called Untitled Techno Project. <laughs> and I knew that I wanted it to be like kind of a collective kind of like, you know, because I'm a, my background is in well, one of my backgrounds is in sort of academia um, as a scholar of sort of uh, subcultures and the contemporary. So um, I was like, okay, it's got to be a little bit nerdy, a little bit theory, but like also party and like kind of fashion because I love fashion too. Um, and our visuals that we do for the image, um, uh, our posters are very fashion, fashion, fashion. The whole point is that they look like fashion ads, not party flyers. Um, yeah. I so, sense that. <laughs> say it again. I sense that. You got that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, it's working. Okay, yeah. good. <laughs> it looked like an advert in the, like in the middle of a magazine. Yeah. That's... Rather than like, yeah come to the to, to the party I, I could have just looked at it on instagram and been like okay cool that's a nice slide picture yeah i think we wanted it to be like you know just some just something different i mean i think we're, we're three on the team right so myself um andy and jelly um andy's based in berlin and jelly i'm the creative director andy's the managing director and ellie uh, jelly is the art director and she went to central st martin's um and does really beautiful fashion photography um graphic design work so it's kind of a way of like everyone's talents coming together to kind of like create shape the vision, you know. Um, Does it have to change slightly when you do things in Berlin versus when you do it in London, like to different eyes and ears? So we haven't actually. So initially, we wanted to do that. We wanted the party to be because I'm in Berlin a lot. We wanted it to be like in the, in Berlin and in London, but then of course, as you know, with all visions, you start with one thing and you're like, oh, that doesn't make sense anymore. So then we just decided to keep it in London for okay. the moment. Um, although Andy's based in Berlin and um, we will eventually do a party in, in Berlin and Andy will kind of do what I've been doing here. But since he knows Berlin and is connected more to the kind of club world there, he can, you know, uh, seek, ven you know what I mean? Seek venues and kind of do a lot of the groundwork. Um, but when it was, when the project was um, Untitled Techno Project, I went to a host of venues, including some in Hackney Wick. And, and then um, my friend Rachel reached out who um, does the booking for five miles and was like, do you want to do a party? And we're like, oh yeah, sure. <laughs> we, like, it, we like that was a kind of like point to kind of like get it all together like really quickly and so it's that's kind of the background um yeah and if i can just say like i mean i would i mean if there's a techno party in london i've been at it i mean this is kind of like my world and um when i go you, there's always like queer people there but it's never like it doesn't feel the same because you have all the like you know the techno bros i'm fist pumping right now yeah <laughs> so like, did, like that kind of energy like does it make you feel a particular discomfort or do you just feel like there's a space where you just want to be without that or is it in that space in particular like ah oh, i can't even enjoy the music because of all of that energy too well i will let me say that like um i actually i mean i did i don't i don't i haven't stopped going to like these other parties i mean i still one of my some of my favorite venues in london um are you know village underground corsica um and I go and these, I mean, they, the, these, I mean, Village Underground especially, like, I feel like has a, a nice vibe. So I don't ever feel like under attack or something like this okay. or like unnecessarily unsafe per se. Yeah. But it's different when you're in a space where you know people are there and you know most people are, let's say, queer or open-minded or kind of on the gender spectrum. You know, it's just, it, it puts a different, it's a different vibe, you know, to have that music and you know, I, I think we like to say that like the images or our fashion, um, our kind of ads or flyers should have absolutely nothing to do with techno, you know? So it's like fantasy, glamour, this and that, but then the music is. What imagery would you say is like to do with techno? What imagery do you, would like the kind of techno fan associate with 
techno, like mainstream techno that is out there in the world. Some sort of like warehouse, a picture of a warehouse with grass growing in it. It's been abandoned for like 25 years. <laughs> it's got some words on it with like the flyer, which is, I mean, I, I mean, I also love that dystopian fantasy. I mean, I like, this is not, we, I think we just wanted to do something different, you know, yeah, like okay. I also like really, and I love like, you know, ruin porn and like all that kind of stuff and that, that kind of industrial stuff. So I get it. Um, I just think we wanted to do something else that would actually speak to our, you know, kind of create a, tell us, tell people visually what the party, or mm, kind of like say who the party is for with the images. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So like you may have noticed that like in the images, we, um, it's like people of color that we've had so far in the ads. And it, I think it's really powerful when there's like a black woman on a poster and she's not like sexualized in that kind of like Ibiza way or that Miami way, you know, like, um, but like a really beautiful black woman or trans person like in an image that they just look they just look stunning lets you know that this party is for you without us having to say that it is do you know what i mean yeah and it's reflected in the audience so it's, yeah. it's like I, I was there and you know I, I go to a lot of parties and i feel like there was a there was an understanding without having to say that or have that conversation like do you actually get to speak to people that are coming through the door and have that like did you kind of get across like what people saying through these messages like how do you kind of communicate with your audience so we talk about this a lot because we initially like when we did the first party um opulence it came together like in two weeks it was like grabs grasping up straws and kind of really trying to get it together um very quickly and because of that we didn't have enough time to print flyers we planned to like print little or actually like little business cards and just like hand them out you know to people that we would see be like, oh come to my party like this um but we just didn't have time, and then I think we ran out of money. We didn't. I mean, it was like really low budget, like yeah. <laughs> production. So, um, and then it worked anyway. And then we just didn't do it the second time, and we haven't done it the third time. It's it's been three times now. The fourth one is in June. Um, so we don't like print flyers, and it's sort of like word of mouth. It seems like which is what's which I think we all wanted initially, um, but we didn't plan for. You know. It's, we really just rely on Facebook, and um, now it's becoming word of mouth. So my editor, um, I wrote a book that was just published, um, and my editor sent me a screen grab of some of a conversation he was having with someone um, on, I guess, Instagram. And this person was, oh, we've got to go to this party. It's April 6th. It's the best techno party in London. Uh, it's a, at a new place called Five Miles, my favorite venue. And like this person, <laughs> I don't know. I know my editor, but I don't know this person. Yeah, so yeah. it's like already with the Slink third party yeah before the third party actually they were it was already kind of like this i got a message on grinder the other day this guy who was at the party he was like oh um i really loved your set and i was like what? you didn't even know it was I, that. I, yeah. I, you know what i mean i was just like roaming through london yeah do you find like social media like do you have a safe space on social media on facebook mm -hmm. and on instagram and all these places like so many people feel like under attack on just being on the internet in general like how how do we kind of communicate parties for people that are just generally being marginalized in society through the most accessible place on the internet or in the world really yeah i mean i think um we have had some instances i mean i wouldn't say that facebook is safe especially not now what we know is kind of coming out in the news with regards to um, user data and such um <clears throat> but uh any technology can be used for good or bad. And, you know, um, as we know, like with YouTube and other things, like the comment section is like the worst, mm. the, like the asshole of the world, <laughs> the <laughs> comment section of any like 
news story or blog post or YouTube video or anything. Like I, I feel really strongly about creating like people of color, queer people, trans people need nightclubs and need nightlife because when you are closeted or when you are maybe transitioning, you need community or maybe, you know, and you need that space to let go. And it also feeds your creativity. It also like gives you ideas from maybe a mix or an art project, or maybe you meet someone on the dance floor who's like also like something that you can, maybe you guys can collaborate on something, you know? Um, and I think one of the most uh, vicious kind of, or most praying kind of aspects of kind of nightlife culture in a way is um, the commercialism aspect. Yeah. I get that you have to make money. You have to pay the bills. And opulence is lucky in that we don't, um, We this is our passion project. We don't like make money off of it, much money, and we don't like, it doesn't pay the bills. You know, it's like we want to do this thing. Um, so, um, but we're very adamant that the price point should be exactly where it is. So it's seven pounds entry. And it should be not much more than that because then you're getting into a territory where people can't access it, you know. Yeah. And, um, Have you experienced that as well? Like, um, you know, being a new person in London and then you see the prices for things that you would want to go to and being like, actually, I can't do £22 for a night out. And, listen, and it actually excluding you from something that you feel like ownership over, like listen, techno or something. You know? Listen, so like, <sighs> I know, okay. I'm a cancer, so I always see both sides of the coin. I'm always like, okay, well, but it's like this, but then it's also like this. So on the one hand, like, I get it. If you are, you know, a big, ambitious venue, you need to make money because you got to pay your staff. I get that nightlife is an industry. These are people's jobs. Like, I get it. You need to make the coin to do that. However, <laughs> um, who do you think is coming to your space if you're charging 30 pounds entry, 25 pounds entry? I mean, not like queer and trans people of color, that's for sure. Um so already the cleansing starts there. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Um, and I've heard the argument that like, oh, people will, people spend $100 on shoes or whatever, or they spend the money like elsewhere. Why can't they pay the money for a quality night out? And it's like, well, actually some people don't spend $100 on shoes and some people don't have like the money even for a quality night, quality night out. <laughs> so like, um, I think that people like promoters and folks and venues should like, about ways to be equitable so that maybe you know if a party collective is like um you know marginalized in some way maybe you don't i don't know you let them use the venue for free or something or at a lower price point so they don't have to charge such a high door or i don't know i just i i get that you have to make money off of it yeah i saw on your listing that you had message us for for rates for like it, it i can't remember the line that you used but it was like hit us up if you need to, to come in and you don't have money effectively. Yeah. It was like maybe what you said, like a low income. Yeah, we, it's, a, it's a low income list. Yeah. Um, yeah. So this is, um we're surprised that actually people really haven't abused it. You would think people might, but actually people are really honest and not many people use it. I mean, people do use it, but, um and it goes to show you that actually that it, people like write us and they'd say, oh, this has happened to me or my student loan hasn't come yet or, I just, I'm just skint this month or whatever it is. I mean, we've all been skint before, yeah. right? So like, but, and have missed a night out because we just couldn't even like, we could maybe get on the bus and not tap our way in, you know, but we couldn't get into the venue. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, so all of that goes to show that like it, people want these spaces and they need them. And um, I think what we're trying to do is to like 
think very seriously about club culture as a as a space not even a safe space because things always happen and it's not i don't necessarily believe in safe spaces per se but a space that's easy to access and that's easy for people to get to and be in you know why um techno specifically Mm. and why yeah, we have one techno. I think that's a, that's, that's that's enough. <laughs> Do you know what? I think it's just because I really, um, I think I've always been into electronic music. I mean, not think I've always been into electronic music. When I I used to, when I was um, like in my teens, I did a, I was um, a classical violinist, concert violinist for many years, and I did a summer residency with a national symphony orchestra in D.C. when I was in my teens. And we would get like this, they put us in a dorm, um, which was called like Madison House, ha. Huh? <laughs> um, but they would give us um, this little stipend every week as part of this like six week residency. And this is when Tower Records was still a thing. So you can know, you know how long ago this was. <laughs> um, and I would go to like the, t- I would spend all my money basically on like getting like CDs um, at this, like at Tower Records, which is right across the street from the dorm where we were staying. And I would buy like all of these electronic stuff as well as classical stuff. So I think my interest in electronic music really comes from my background in classical, I have to say. Um, Like Bach was techno. I mean, if you listen to like some of this like perpetual motion kind of sonatas and partitas for violin, it's it's techno. You know, it's the same thing for like five minutes with like really slight changes. It's emotional. Um, Also, it was dance music. All those queens, Vivaldi, Bach, they were making dance music, you know, wigs and powdered hair, powdered hair and everything. So I think um, when I think about why techno, I mean, I think it all comes from that. I think for me, techno is really emotional music. Um, it can be high, it can be low, like uh, like make you feel elated or make you like work you out in a way. And I like this. Um and I don't know, I just, I just think that we, all the, the, the team, we have like a visceral response to the music. So today I'm kind of asking people about the future of Clubland, what it will look like in 2030. But the kind of genesis of your project is something that is actually harking back to the past. Like you're saying, okay, you know, Detroit, Detroit and, you know, black and gay culture. Yeah, I would say that like, I think in ways we're we're reaching back to like those days of yeah like the loft you know and trying to imagine like a curated we've talked about like can we make can we at some point make opulence like a membership thing and what what does that mean in the way of like Mancuso's loft or even like even like back in the Harlem Renaissance in the like you know the twenties those girls were having what were called rent parties um, which were parties in like t- um, Harlem town townhouses that were like popping you know they had like chicken like not chicken they had like um you know food and like um drinks and booze and jazz and live music um and they passed around a hat and the hat the you know the money was to pay the rent i think maybe clubs fail when they when they try to be everything to everyone um what you're seeing now is like which i really like you're seeing venues that are um being more kind of embedded in the neighborhood so it's like like five miles or like trial in amsterdam um or to school now in amsterdam also clubs that are like it's a club but they also have like a a coffee shop and also a restaurant and also like a concert venue so it's like they have different ways of 
interacting with the community, which I think is great. I mean, Trial was probably one of my favorite nightclubs ever um, in Amsterdam. It was like a, it was like an old um, newspaper factory called the the newspaper was called Trial, and they had a restaurant like in it, and so like literally you would be like it was just beautiful like you had this dance floor and then stairs going up like floating stairs going up and then there was like a restaurant you could have like a proper meal like i don't know that's one of the more <laughs> yeah it, the uk is not onto that we we just drink beer and just leave well it i that. mean that's an idea a free <laughs> idea if somebody wants to start it because what you have what you have in like in like berlin or amsterdam are like yeah some clubs um there's a party called um in berlin called room for resistance at about blank um and they uh it's a party that like a lot of the proceeds go for towards um, like refugee causes in Germany and um, activist causes, but they also have like food. <laughs> so you, they have like um, it's like a team of um, African women or an, act, an African collective, and they make food, and you can buy it. You can buy it from them, so you're already you're like directly supporting like this cause right away. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like, I think it's I think part of the reason we don't have food in London is because well we can only party for like four hours, five. Yeah. Whereas when you have when you, when the clubs open a day twenty four hours like you need to or even twelve like you need to be able to. So I, do you think the UK is like behind in terms of like what our causes you know making social change in the club can be like we were talking about here like say like yeah giving to a particular cause or supporting local businesses or DIY operations even just yeah. like someone paying for opulence maybe that's like not enough maybe it's like you know, putting it into the local brewery or the local guy that's mm-hmm. making the, the, the hot T-shirt or mm-hmm. the local girls that making shoes that are not Nike. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Does, it, does it have to be more direct? And do we as club promoters have to imply that with just putting on a techno rave? Do you know what I mean? Well, I just read about this, a new venue that's opening down the street that um I guess the, I can't remember what it's called. The Cause, right? Is it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so they, I guess, proceeds are going to go towards like mental health, which is like amazing. Um, and the, the venue looks great. So I think that's already a start to like think about this as like the founding of or like the core of what like a venue is doing. But, you know, let's be clear. There are also there are collectives that are doing this. So like, um, you know, like Pussy Palace or, um, you know, ba- Babes, BBZ, like um, other parties that like are spearhead and and run spearheaded and run by like people of color that like create these you know like worlds and you know when you also when you ask like why why techno it's i guess i think it's also because there are already like queer of color um or queer centric party collectives in london that are you know you've got like savage which is really mostly white gay men um but still doing disco you've got bbz that's more like hip-hop Black music, um, and then also Pussy Palace, which is a, which is a similar thing, and they all they're all doing amazing work. So then I thought, okay, well let's do like the opposite, and then so we do, you know, do the same thing with techno, and it was so fab. Not so much at the last one because um, there was a, a a Vogue ball that night, but the last at the last at the previous two opulence parties, we had a lot of Vogueers, and they were just like break out in Vogue in the middle of the floor, which is like what it's about, yeah. you know. Nowadays you can go and like kind of go to a dance studio and learn to vogue but back in the day like back back in the day you would just go to the club and you vogue there to whatever was on so you know what i mean it's like these kind of things where you when you actively think about who is coming and that starts with like the price point the imagery who you're booking like so if it's just like white i i try now like i it still it still frustrates me but i still sometimes you know go to these parties but if i see a party 
that's like all white men. I just it's just got a giant eye roll, <laughs> and I don't I can't go to that because it's like this, you know, this is stupid, you know. Or even a festival I went to last year, they had like the um I think they had like four floors and they had one woman on each floor, and I was like, okay, so there's your token woman DJ for each floor. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean. It's like you have why like. It's just, and then you get, especially when you get into like music, it's a question of like taste. It's a question of like aesthetics. So people always say, oh, it's about the music. It's not about like race or gender. It's just about the music, man. I'm like, girl, it is about the music, but it is also about the fact that you're ignoring like all these other people who are making, you yeah. know, who are. And if it was just about the music, then it would be as diverse as possible as well. Because who do you think, every, who do you yeah. think invented all this shit anyway? <laughs> like, listen, yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, has there mu- has there been like aside from that kind of comment on Facebook? Has there been much like physical resistance to your ideas, like, like people in your face saying really only love? I mean, I think that's like the one isolated incident. To be honest, um, the only one resistance resistant resisting to us. And as I've said at the other parties, people have been like really excited about the space. And to think about it, like it's kind of like Five Miles is is an interesting thing because. Um, it's a, it's a bit of a destination. You have to sort of go there. It isn't in Soho or it isn't like in Dawson where it's like a bunch of other things nearby. You have to actually go to five miles. And what I loved is at the party on fri- uh, Friday, like it was completely packed. And these are all 400 people who like chose that night to come to five miles. You know, like that was already like the choice to like ignore other venues that are easier to get to and go to this one for our party. Like that says a lot, I yeah. think. No? Definitely. And the commitment even just... So yeah, you you get there. You're you're not going there, thinking that you can go somewhere else afterwards. You know what I mean? It's yeah, no, you, you you go. It's like you're there. You're committed you, we've for got the night. You know, you, you're there. We've got you. We've you know, you're committed. So um, I think it's I think we think about like all of these things, and I think that you know so many other parties. You know, everything has their again the cancer thing <laughs> has their pluses and their minuses. So um, but I think that we are so passionate about club culture as like a space for ideas and creativity and community and also like a platform for you know the DJs we invite and for ourselves as artists and thinkers and creatives so it's and I, and I think it's just like that feedback loop when you get a random grinder message just like oh love the party or when your editor sends you a message that they got from someone else about the party that you don't even know that person you don't even know it just shows you that it's it's working perfect I think that's the best way to end (laughs) (laughs) thank you thank you it's been a pleasure if you want to find out more about Madison and Opulence go to madisonmoreonline.com and don't forget to pick up his book Fabulous The Rise of the Beautiful Eccentric this podcast is part of the Last Dance programme I'm running as Associate Artistic Director at Lighthouse. Go to lighthouse.org.uk to find out more or find us on social media at Lighthouse Arts. Last Dance is supported and funded through the Arts Council's Changemaker Scheme. The Last Dance podcast was produced by myself, Elijah, Jamila Prouse and the team of Story Things. If you've enjoyed it, go to iTunes or wherever you get your podcast to subscribe, rate and comment. 